I was listening to the last episode of the podcast and they ended on this beautiful note of a potentially paradigm shifting concept of decentralized finance. And let me tell you one thing. According to me, DeFi is as cryptic as Barney Stinson's job. Please. But wait a second. Aren't we supposed to start with a fence reference? Shush. If it was up to me, I'd also insert a Big Bang Theory joke here. But well, let's just continue. You know, I was very intrigued. So I actually went online and checked out the concept by myself. But I couldn't wrap my head around it. There were so many big words like blockchain, smart contract and whatnot. Well, Sparsh, I know you're not the smartest one around. And that's why I'm here. I'll tell you the basic concept. So essentially, decentralized finance or DeFi takes the power away from institutions and distributes it into a wide variety of people. That sounds nice, but why did we need it in the first place? Well, DeFi solves two of the biggest problems in the world. First being accessibility and second control. DeFi takes away money and power from big institutions who might not be as responsible as they ought to be. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Marvel reference checked. So tell me more about DeFi and why should I care about it? I'll tell you everything. But Rupo Zara, Sabar Karo. So join us in this episode of Let's Talk Sense and learn about DeFi with I, Samil. And I, Sparsh. As always, a great place to start is the beginning. So what is the origin of DeFi? I already understand why it was needed, but the how still puzzles me. Another great question, Sparsh. Although it seems like that's the only thing you can do. But anyways, the origin of DeFi can be traced back to the introduction of Bitcoin. It was the first of its kind as a decentralized, peer-to-peer form of money. Hmm, that does coincide with what I read. But I believe Ethereum is where the key breakthroughs in DeFi happened as Ethereum had much more smart contracts capabilities. That's exactly right. See, I can do more than just ask good questions. Oof, don't try to be a know-it-all. You use the term smart contracts and I'm pretty sure you don't even know what it means. Oh, please. I know that smart contracts are trustless agreement between two parties which will execute itself when certain parameters are met. For example, if you and I were to make a trade of stock, then, when we agree upon the number of shares and the price, the trade would automatically happen if it was based on a smart contract. Whoa, beautiful explanation, Sparsh. Here, have a cookie. Jeez, this joke is getting very repetitive. These script writers really need to find something new. Well, to be honest, even making the fourth wall seems forced now. But okay. So now that we have established the need and origin of DeFi, we are missing a third key aspect. That is, working of DeFi. We are still unclear as to how DeFi instruments actually work. Why don't we look at another example? Today, you might put your savings in an online savings account and earn an interest rate of 0.5% of your money. The bank then turns around and lends the money to another consumer at 3% interest and pockets the 2.5% as profit for itself. So let me get this straight. With DeFi, people lend their savings directly to others, cutting out that 2.5% profit loss and earn the full 3% return on their money. Yes, exactly. Moreover, you might think, hey, I already do this when I send my friends money with Paytm wallets. But in actuality, you don't. 
you still have to have a debit card or bank account linked to those apps to send funds. So this can only be done when you are linked to a third party institution. But DeFi doesn't need that. It is direct lending and borrowing with no external interference. Completely sovereign. Look at you, using big words like sovereign and all. Huh? Did you finally start using the word of the day toilet paper? No attacks, dude. What is this? But to get back on track, let's continue talking about digital currency. Eh, eh. You simplistic buffoon. How do you not know the difference between a digital currency and a decentralized coin? Cool, you got me this time. Tell me what is the difference between these two? Let me tell you one simple thing. Cryptocurrencies are a type of digital currency. Basically, any form of money that has no physical form and is stored completely on the internet is called digital money. Whereas, cryptos are specifically encrypted and issued by a non-seltered authority. Wait, wait, wait. You mentioned this in the intro as well, but it's still kind of unclear to me. What do you mean by central authority? Okay, so imagine Disney owning the rights of various franchises. When someone else wishes to make a movie or series with Disney characters, they have to get permission from Disney to do so. This makes Disney a central authority in this case. Ooh, so does that mean that when we talk about DeFi, no one has exclusive control over the market instruments? And instead, everyone has a certain amount of control. Exactly. I knew you would, you would understand from a Disney reference, since you are such a dopey that dwarf. Haha, <laughs> very funny. But DeFi isn't all good, right? I mean, Prince Charming only really exists in the movies. Well, firstly, Prince Charming is actually a very problematic character. Jeez, man, not the time to bring out your inner nerd. Gotta stop you from going off track. Fine. DeFi does have a lot of downsides to it as well. The first major being scalability. DeFi is meant for a large audience. But the problem is that in its current state, it cannot serve a lot of people since it takes a longer period of time to complete its executions. Simply put, for example, an Ethereum trade could take, potentially take up to 13 seconds, while centralized financial instruments could execute thousands of transactions at the same time. Right, right. I believe another problem that crops up is uncertainty. DeFi projects are hosted on blockchains and these blockchains could themselves be damaged which could affect the project. Therefore, there is a running risk of instability. It is like if the base of the building is weak, the building is for sure going to fold down. For sure. And another great concern that is liquidity, which is basically that a DeFi project can be con how a DeFi project can be converted into cash. Due to high market volatility, DeFi projects often do not translate the same value they have in the market. For example, if I have a coin worth rupees 50, when I go to convert it into cash, it may only give me a return of 45 rupees. Aha! Uh -huh. Looks like Dopey has been reading. Anyways, even with all the problems considered, I have enough reason to believe that the world is headed to decentralized finance in general. People are fed up with these big institutions using their power and influence to control major aspects of their lives. Really? Even when we see that DeFi is obviously not able to serve a lot of people, you think that more people will gravitate towards it. I think DeFi is not going to gain so much popularity against the current trends because increasing the scale has a great environmental cost attached to it, which is a larger concern at hand. Fair, fair. We'll just have to wait and watch what happens.
And with that, I guess the episode is wrapped up. I guess it does. So with that, we come to the end of our episode as well as our first season. Not gonna lie, I'm going to miss this shindig. We finished the first season and covered five very crucial topics related to finance and fintech. That's right. We had a lot of fun creating this, and I hope you, the listeners, also enjoyed it. Well then, follow us wherever you're listening, and stay tuned for future updates. Until next time, we will do. I was listening to the last episode of the podcast and they ended on this beautiful note of a potentially paradigm shifting concept of decentralized finance. And let me tell you one thing. According to me, DeFi is as cryptic as Barney Stinson's job. Please. But wait a second. Aren't we supposed to start with a fence reference? Shush. If it was up to me, I'd also insert a Big Bang Theory joke here. But well, let's just continue. You know, I was very intrigued so i actually went online and checked out the concept by myself but i couldn't wrap my head around it there were so many big words like blockchain smart contract and whatnot well sparsh i know you're not the smartest one around and that's why i am here i'll tell you the basic concept so essentially decentralized finance or DeFi, takes the power away from institutions and distributes it into a wide variety of people that sounds nice but why did we need it in the first place well, DeFi solves two of the biggest problems in the world. First being accessibility and second control. DeFi takes away money and power from big institutions who might not be as responsible as they ought to be. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Marvel reference check. So tell me more about DeFi and why should I care about it? I'll tell you everything, but Rupo Zara, Sabar Karo. So join us in this episode of Let's Talk Sense and learn about DeFi with I, Sawmill and I, Spursh. As always, a great place to start is the beginning. So what is the origin of DeFi? I already understand why it was needed, but the how still puzzles me. Another great question, Spursh. Although it seems like that's the only thing you can do, but anyways. The origin of DeFi can be traced back to the introduction of Bitcoin. It was the first of its kind as a decentralized, peer-to-peer form of money. Hmm, that does coincide with what I read. But I believe Ethereum is where the key breakthroughs in DeFi happened, as Ethereum had much more smart contracts capabilities. That's exactly right. See, I can do more than just ask good questions. Oof, don't try to be a know-it-all. You use the term smart contracts, and I'm pretty sure you don't even know what it means. Oh, please. I know that smart contracts are trustless agreement between two parties, which will execute itself when certain parameters are met. For example, if you and I were to make a trade of stock, then when we agree upon the number of shares and the price, the trade would automatically happen if it was based on a smart contract. Whoa. Beautiful explanation, Sparsh. Here, have a cookie. Jeez, this joke is getting very repetitive. These script writers really need to find something new. Well, to be honest, even making the fourth wall seems forced now. But okay. So now that we have established the need and origin of DeFi, we are missing a third key aspect. That is, working of DeFi. We are still unclear 
as to how DeFi instruments actually work. Why don't we look at another example? Today, you might put your savings in an online savings account and earn an interest rate of 0.5% of your money. The bank then turns around and lends the money to another consumer at 3% interest and pockets the 2.5% as profit for itself. So let me get this straight. With DeFi, people lend their savings directly to others, cutting out that 2.5% profit loss and earn the full 3% return on their money. Yes, exactly. Moreover, you might think, hey, I already do this when I send my friends money with Paytm wallets. But in actuality, you don't. You still have to have a debit card or bank account linked to those apps to send funds. So this can only be done when you are linked to a third-party institution. But DeFi doesn't need that. It is direct lending and borrowing with no external interference. Completely sovereign. Look at you, using big words like sovereign and all. Huh? Did you finally start using the word of the day toilet paper? No attacks, dude. What is this? But to get back on track, let's continue talking about digital currency. Eh, eh. You simplistic buffoon. How do you not know the difference between a digital currency and a decentralized coin? Cool, you got me this time. Tell me what is the difference between these two? Let me tell you one simple thing. Cryptocurrencies are a type of digital currency. Basically, any form of money that has no physical form and is stored completely on the internet is called digital money. Whereas, cryptos are specifically encrypted and issued by a non-center authority. Wait, wait, wait. You mentioned this in the intro as well, but it's still kind of unclear to me. What do you mean by central authority? Okay, so imagine Disney owning the rights of various franchises. When someone else wishes to make a movie or series with Disney characters, they have to get permission from Disney to do so. This makes Disney a central authority in this case. Ooh, so does that mean that when we talk about DeFi, no one has exclusive control over the market instruments, and instead everyone has a certain amount of control? Exactly. I knew you would, you would understand from a Disney reference, since you are such a dopey that dwarf. Haha, <laughs> very funny. But DeFi isn't all good, right? I mean, Prince Charming only really exists in the movies. Well, firstly, Prince Charming is actually a very problematic character. Jeez, man, not the time to bring out your inner nerd. Gotta stop you from going off track. Fine. DeFi does have a lot of downsides to it as well. The first major being scalability. DeFi is meant for a large audience. But the problem is that in its current state, it cannot serve a lot of people since it takes a longer period of time to complete its executions. Simply put, for example, an Ethereum trade could take, potentially take up to 13 seconds, while centralized financial instruments could execute thousands of transactions at the same time. Right, right. I believe another problem that crops up is uncertainty. DeFi projects are hosted on blockchains, and these blockchains could themselves be damaged, which could affect the project. Therefore, there is a running risk of instability. It is like if the base of the building is weak, the building is for sure going to fall down. For sure. And another great concern that is liquidity, which is basically that a DeFi project can be con how a DeFi project can be converted into cash. Due to high market volatility, DeFi projects often do not translate the same value they have in the market. For example, if I have a coin worth rupees fifty. When I go to convert it into cash, it may only give me a return of 45 rupees. 
Until next time, we will be done.